0: Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger. Welcome to episode 104 of the podcast. Wilkie is off actually recording something different today, so I will be uh, thrilled and super excited to interview Chelsea Hodgers today. Chelsea, how are you?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm really good. I'm really good. So I'm thinking back to my Teacher Heart Out Vegas experience, and I remember seeing you a bunch of times, but I don't know that we actually met in person.
1: I know. I don't think we did either. There was so many people there, and that was my first time also being a teacher heart out, and it was just such an overwhelming, amazing experience that like uh, I felt like even the other presenters that I got to spend a little time with, we like didn't have a chance to take a picture together, we didn't get to yeah. talk much because there was just so much going on yeah. um, that the weekend went so fast, but it was so amazing. So and you, hopefully we'll get to connect in the future. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> and you presented with with Caitlin, right?
1: Yes, Caitlin Eddington, Art with Mrs. E. We did a presentation together and then I separately did um an anchor chart class.
0: Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, so it was like a really awesome was we were we were we were really um you know it started I think it was maybe like February or March that that Tasha Wright came on and we were talking about clothes and the and and teach your heart out and we were lucky enough to get to go to Vegas. I I can't make it to Miami because I have a wedding. I have a wedding that I can't. It's one of the weddings oh, nice. that I, I can't miss. But we're gonna hopefully be in Atlanta, and we're definitely gonna be on the cruise. So I'm super.
1: Oh, awesome!
0: Super excited great. for that. So, so just to kick it off, you know, we'll, we'll, all we try to do is just we're trying to highlight the good things that are happening in classrooms because you know we've talked to a lot of teachers, and we think there's definitely a misconception between what you know what the public and what the media thinks teachers really do and and the great things that teachers are actually doing so so we're yeah. glad to uh to have you on to share your story so just getting started could you just kind of give us a little bit of your background and and uh how and why you became a teacher
1: yeah definitely um so i actually am a teacher in new jersey and uh my teaching experience has been kind of all over the place um even though my name on instagram is hipster art teacher i've taught all kinds of things Um, over my teaching experience of six years. Um, And I was one of those kids when I was little, I played school with my brother and sister. I loved playing the teacher role, um, you know, as typical teachers probably say. Um, But art was also a huge part of my life. My family is very artistic. And so I grew up in a house where making art was encouraged and something that I did all the time. Um, And so when I went to college, I knew that I wanted to definitely do something with art. So I started with my art degree first, and then as I went through school, I realized that I wanted to be an art teacher, and so I decided to get certified K to twelve in art. So I'm currently certified to teach art K to twelve, and um, right now, actually, I'm teaching technology and STEM and makerspace. So mm-hmm. kind of lots of different experiences, but teaching right. has always been something I wanted to right. do, and. My mom and sister are both teachers, too. So I kind of come from a family of teachers.
0: (laughs) Right on. One one of the questions we love to ask people is, uh, could you tell us about who your favorite teacher was growing up and why that person was your favorite teacher?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I've been really lucky and fortunate to have so many amazing teachers who I had personal relationships with and great experiences. But I have to say... That even though this wasn't a teacher I had in school, that my papa, my basically my grandpa, uh, was definitely my favorite teacher. Because he was one, the one who really taught me how to paint and draw. So he was really my very first teacher, if you want to say that. Um, and so he's, you know, such an inspiration. And um, he's passed, but he was such a big influence in my life. And such a reason why I really wanted to be an art teacher.
0: Nice. Nice. And it's. And the funny thing is, I I I grew up too with the misconception that you were either good at art or you were not good at art. But I've really like, yeah. in in my adult life really just gotten to enjoy like, and I don't do as much as I should, but just like drawing, just to draw and scribble and yeah, it's it's super definitely fun. so so kind of you know on that same vein with why we have the podcast. What do you think the value is of a really great teacher?
1: I think that a great teacher is so so valuable and important, obviously, but I mean the best teachers that I've ever had have always been the ones that um, not only taught the content but were really just there for me personally. I was able to go to them and talk to them about you know life and just you know get advice and the teachers who really took the time to get to know me um, as a person, not just as you know being their student and so um, I think that's super important and for me, I always try to get to my get to know my students on a individual level and really get to know the core of them. Like what's their favorite thing to do on the weekend and who's their favorite singer, you know, things like that. I think that just makes such a deeper connection between you and your students. So that's super important to me.
0: So when, when you were going through either your, you know, for your art degree or for your teaching degree, Mm -hmm. were you, were you taught like that relationships were really important? Cause I, I really, you know, we really like to ask this follow-up question because we just, yeah. I was never I was never taught like in my college experience like that relationships were important. No neither like explicitly or implicitly.
1: Yeah, no same. Um I guess I kind of going along with my experience in teaching all throughout like high school I was like a summer camp counselor and teaching art that way. That's kind of how I got my first start teaching art. And I just felt like, all right, I want to really relate to these kids. I want them to not come to this class and look at me like, you know, I'm not interested in what you're teaching me right now. And especially for summer camp, you want it to be fun, right? So you want to have projects and things that are relating to the kids so that they're getting excited about it. So for me, that's always been, I mean, even with my clipboards, which I know we're going to talk about later, uh, my clipboards, same thing, are very personal to the person. So to me, it's always important to have those one-on-one relationships and really make it about that person because really what are what are people getting out of it if they're not feeling personally connected
0: yeah you know and then it's just so hard because every single person we've talked to on our podcast and you're like I think somewhere in the 70s like that we've talked to everyone stresses relationships yet there are so few like college prep programs that are really like stressing it. It's just content and, and pedagogy and those mm-hmm. things are important, but I right. felt, I felt I mean, like... Even
1: classroom management is another thing that's really, at least for me, was not really covered in my college career. And that's kind of something that I feel like a lot of people have to figure out when they're in the classroom, which is not a bad thing. I think that you know it's good to learn it as you go. But at the same time, there's a lot of things that I think aren't covered that would be really valuable to teachers. And so hopefully maybe there'll be some reform with the college level and, you know, getting some of those things that are super important and valuable to teachers. Well,
0: yeah. And to your point too, I think class, you know, classroom management, if you're really doing it right, is about building relationships. It's not about, you know, the particular strategy. I was always taught that like classroom management is a set of, was a set of rules and that just made your classroom run smoothly. And that's not, that's not what it is. No. So, so you're, you're not teaching art now, but but I'm always kind of, like, I taught social studies and history, so I'm always interested, like, what what is the day-to-day like for an art teacher? And, you know, what are some of the challenges that art teachers go through?
1: So the day-to-day for an art teacher is definitely a lot of prep work. Um, because when you have the entire school coming to you, different ages, different levels... Um, I mean, you're cutting you're you're getting paper out, you're getting everything prepped for so many kids. So it's definitely a a ton of prep work and, and also taking the time, like we're talking about the personal relationships, taking the time to come up with projects that are new and exciting and engaging the kids. Um, So that's a big part of it. I mean, also you're spending a lot of time after school, um, trying to stay really organized, keeping all the classes together. I mean, when you have kids uh building sculptures for example and you have a small room you have to get creative with okay where am i going to store these and how am i going to know you know who belongs with which class it gets you know sometimes really confusing but um you know it's it's a lot of management and and uh, also being super creative and trying to get your kids really engaged and definitely one of the struggles for any art teacher is kids having self doubt about their work and you want to really encourage and motivate them. I mean, I personally love art, but I even had art teachers who were not very supportive and not very encouraging. And so that really hurts my heart when I hear adults tell me that, you know, when they were in elementary school, someone told them that they couldn't draw and that's basically in, you know, prevented them from being able to do any type of art from that point forward. So, um, my, my goal has always been to really encourage students at a very young age. So that way when they get, you know, to an older age, they can explore more of those art career paths or finding ways of incorporating art. Even if it's just like you're saying, drawing day to day, you know, right. things like that.
0: And it's, it's so, and, and I've talked with, with Wilkie a lot. and A lot of people in the podcast, like mm-hmm. I think back to the times where not intentionally, but i've said things that would that i know would have discouraged kids to do things and i'm just like
1: mm-hmm. i
0: i i feel terrible that mm-hmm. i said them and and at the time i didn't mean to i didn't understand but that's it's it's across any any class or any content or any skill really like yeah. the, the the words that we choose as teachers and the things we say are so important and like i i guess i never intrinsically I mean, I had good art teachers, but I was never really Mm -hmm. like encouraged to explore or told like, it was just like, hey, if you do this particular drawing type and you get this particular Mm -hmm. grade, it's, you know, it was one of those classes where I took it as an elective because it was better than some other elective.
1: And sometimes art classes can get very cookie cutter very quick. And so my goal has always been no matter what project I'm doing, I want to give them some element of them as an individual, what can they bring to the table? So if I'm going to teach them about, you know, complementary colors and they're doing a project with that, I might assign a project like, oh, let's create a poster for our favorite band and use complementary colors to create that poster. So like finding a way where they're able to choose some aspect of that project where it's not me telling them what to do. And so they're more excited about it. And ultimately, right. hopefully they're learning more from that.
0: Right, right. So, so tell me a little bit about your, your transition to teaching technology and STEAM and Makerspace.
1: Yeah. So, um, I was one of those teachers who was filling in for maternity leave after maternity leave and having a really hard time finding a job. And I know so many teachers can relate to that. So, you know, for anyone out there listening, I totally relate and I hear you. Um, I actually was a graphic design major in college. So when I saw a, technology job come up, I was like, oh, that that could be interesting. And, you know, um, graphic design is a way of using art and technology combined. So a lot of what I do with my classes is using art to uh, create things on the computer and not just, you know, your typical Microsoft Word and coding and things like that. But um, luckily, my experiences in college with graphic design really have helped me uh, teaching technology. And then this year... Uh, my school approached me about doing Makerspace and STEAM. And uh, STEAM is kind of not new, but it's going to be new for me. Um, and it's basically where kids have the opportunity to create and build and make um, and use science and math and technology and art to kind of explore and create things and build things. And um, it's it reminds me very much of my childhood where – I would have a table full of just miscellaneous supplies, and it's like, "Okay, just make something with this, and you have to be creative, you have to you know put something together, build something um that's your own, so that's kind of the way that I'm gonna approach it um but obviously, like i said it's I'm still in the early stages, so we'll see where where it ends up, but I'm really excited to start it this year
0: yeah, you know it's it's so amazing to me that you know especially in you know say the last five to ten years how how much um, things we do online or on computers or tablets or have become like an art form. Mm -hmm. I would have never, you know, 10 years ago thought that graphic design, I mean, I understand it had an art component, but like that it's, but it's, but it's such an art and the things that people can do with computers and especially kids now, like the kids that are in high school and, and middle school can do just incredible things. On computers, art-wise, and those things, so it's really cool. So, so makerspace is just basically taking like like what would be a common thing that you would do in makerspace.
1: Um, so makerspace, you can do it a couple of different ways, but sometimes you can um give kids a challenge, um like a task card of some sort to say, okay, you have these Legos now, you need to build a bridge that holds you know two pounds or something. Um, basically giving them a challenge and giving them materials, but kind of letting them figure it out on their own and not really, it's more student centered and less, you know, the teacher, you know, direct instruction telling them what to do. Um, So that's where the like exploring comes in for the kids. You could also handle it in a different way where you just have materials out and you just kind of let them roam free and let them create what they want to create. So there's, there's different ways of doing it. And I'm going to kind of explore this year and see, you know, what my students like. And I'm definitely going to give them different opportunities to have times where I'm going to be, you know, guiding them and instructing them. But other times when they're going to be able to just have kind of uh, a free experience where they have materials, but they're able to just build and create and they get to be more creative because I feel like like you're saying, you know, there's so much technology with kids these days that they don't have a lot of time to be creative and explore and, and do things, you know, for them. So I, even when I was just talking to them about it, they seemed super excited to just, you know, have the opportunity to, to build and create. So we'll see where it goes. But <laughs> I think they're going to really enjoy it.
0: So it, this was a little bit further down down the question list, but I, I'm going to move it up. Mm-hmm. So, so sure. talking about your clipboards, which are amazing – I'm interested, you. you know, in hearing how those started, but with that too, how, how you balance, you know, those and the personal art you do with, with your teaching. Cause it seems like you get a, you get, you get more stuff done than I think should be possible for a human being to get done <laughs> in the time frame. So I'm interested well, thank you. to hear how you, how you find that balance and how you kind of get everything in.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not easy. I'm not going to lie. So the way clipboards kind of got started is my my friend Jana, it was her birthday and I wanted to give her a personalized gift. And so I had been doing hand lettering and I had been selling things on Etsy, teacher signs and things like that. But I was like, oh, I'll make her a clipboard. I saw a clipboard in like the Target dollar spot. And I'm like, oh, I'll put her name on it and I'll draw a little giraffe because I know she loves giraffes. And I posted it and it kind of just snowballed from there. I mean, Instagram is a crazy, amazing tool if you can use it and direct it in the right way. Um, It kind of just snowballed because I would make one for somebody. They would post it to their Instagram. All their followers would see it, and then they would come over. And so it kind of just slowly, I slowly got this audience, and it's it's turned into this like crazy business. It keeps me really busy, but I'm so grateful and thankful for anybody who's bought a clipboard from me or tried to buy a clipboard from me. Um, But it's it's been amazing and. uh, I, I don't I don't even know. Some days I'm like, I can't even believe that that I have this business. But it is definitely hard to balance the time. Um I try and work on clipboards when I get home from school. It's almost like when you are kids, you come home, you do your homework. When I come home from school, I work on my clipboards. And then uh, you know, sometimes on weekends I'm working on them too. But it's definitely a, it takes a lot of discipline to make sure I get them done and get them out to, to everyone as soon as possible.
0: And and aren't you getting married sometime soon?
1: Um, hopefully. Yeah. Um, I've been engaged for a year, uh, to my fiance, Matt, he was at teacher heart out too. He's a Mm -hmm. videographer. Um, but yeah, it's been, I mean, we both have such crazy businesses that have been busy and we're happy about it, but it's just, we haven't had a lot of time for wedding planning. So hopefully soon.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, and that's the crazy thing is just with light, you know, I've had, um, I've, I've been to four weddings already this year and I'm, Gonna, I have to go to another two, but my younger sister got married yeah. in May. And I just, the little bit that I, the little bit that I was privy to that she asked me about, I was like, oh my God, this is way more than any person could, you know, from yeah. all all the things that go into it. So it's just, I mean, it's crazy though to think that how you find that balance. But like you said, it, Instagram, this is, the Instagram thing you said is so funny because we, we, we've been doing the podcast a year and a half but really it wasn't mm-hmm. until like January or February that we really started reaching out to people on Instagram. And all of a sudden everybody right. people just started saying yes and I was like I did, to be honest like at the start I was like maybe if I reach out to like 5 people one will say yes. And I reached out yeah. to 5 people and like 4 say yes. And I was like, "Oh,
1: that's great. This,
0: this is super fun." And then, like you said it's it it says it says a lot about the teacher community as well. Yeah. Um which I think is really cool. So Talking about, you talked a little bit earlier about anchor charts. So, what what makes anchor charts powerful, and and especially when you put in, because when you put in the time to really make them artistic and, and really look good, because mm-hmm. I've done anchor charts, but my handwriting is less than spectacular, <laughs> so they never really looked the way I wanted them to. So. So what is the power of anchor charts, especially when you make an anchor chart that's really, um, you know, artistic and eye-catching?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's like anything else. The more time you put into something, the better it's going to be, right? And so if we're taking the time, yes, you know, it is a little time-consuming if you just put something on the board and project it and just trace it. I mean, that's one way of doing it. But for me personally, I think that my students – are so much more engaged and really love to see the drawings and the different fonts and seeing things laid out in different ways and pictures. And it, it just makes it so much more exciting for them. And um, it becomes almost like part of your classroom decor as well. So, you know, if you're going to spend a lot of time making your room beautiful, you might as well spend some time making your charts beautiful too. Right. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. that's what your kids are looking at and they're using as reference. So to me, um, when I was approached to do the anchor chart class, I thought that it was a great idea and that there's so many teachers who maybe don't have the confidence in themselves to uh, be able to create something like that. They don't even know where to begin. So I really wanted to give them some tips and tricks to to make them feel confident and be able to do it on their own.
0: So what are some of like? your your favorite examples or examples that stands out to you of ways that teachers are using anchor charts so so that way you know listeners can get an understanding of of how how versatile they actually are and you know because I see you know on Instagram I see people doing you know a, a bunch of different things so what are your, some of your favorite examples
1: um i love when any uh teacher takes the time to try to illustrate something i think you know, like I said, so many people lack the confidence to to draw something because they just feel like they can't. I mean, even in the anchor chart class at Vegas, um, I had them all draw a hamburger. And granted, it was a step-by-step guided thing, but they all did such a great job. And so that tells me that people are really more capable than they realize. And so I love any anchor chart that has um an illustration, any kind of picture. And again, just using different kinds of fonts. Like if we're talking about Um, an anchor chart that deals with color and you know each letter at the top is a different color and it makes a rainbow and things like that just that are little added touches that just make such a big difference instead of just writing it out in black marker and everything's all one straight line you know just really finding ways of making it creative and interesting to look at because then your kids are going to want to look at it and they're going to remember those things you know We say, like, sometimes you take a picture of things in your mind, you remember it, right? So Mm -hmm. um, I think that, you know, anything that's super colorful and eye-catching and has an illustration is really great. So those are my favorite kind of anchor charts to see.
0: You know, and and to your point, too, I I learned and I have learned that the more kids see us trying to do something, especially trying to do something Mm -hmm. we're not good at, like – right that's better i got to the point where you know like i started my career and my kids would just complain and complain and complain about how bad my handwriting was so like i found ways to like get it because i I just tend to write fast and that's why yeah if, if i slow down but the more i could talk with my kids about like hey you know i'm trying to do better on my handwriting and these things and you know work with them to do stuff and and then to illustrate things and um Gosh, I wish I could think of the name of a name of a book. Uh, I think it's called "The Back of a Napkin," and it's okay. this this book about how you know we can use simple illustrations to like make points. And it was like a business book, yeah. but I found it so applicable to teaching because the mm-hmm. the whole premise was like, if you if you haven't gotten to the point where you could draw your idea or your plan on the back of a napkin and explain it to somebody it's not simple enough. Mm, So I was really like learning how to, how to, you know, and and they had all these different drawings of like whatever it was, business org charts broken down, but they were made so simple. And I started just to use those things of just, for me, it wasn't about making, you know, really detailed illustrations. It was about just trying to start doing illustrations. And the more I started, the more I tried, the better they got. Right. And, and the more my kids were accepting of like, and granted, I taught in middle school. So they were still yeah. <laughs> like giving me a bad time about how terrible my drawings were. But but deep down they appreciated the fact that I was trying.
1: Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I and I honestly think that the the simpler the ankle, anchor chart is, the better. Because like you're saying, th- these kids are looking at, they're using it as a visual, and they they don't want super detailed, you know, a drawing of a lion or something with every little hair of the mane. Like they just they just want to see something that makes them smile and, and you know, will help them to remember the information. So I've seen like some people do like the Even Steven odd Todd and they draw Even Steven as like a you know, studious person and odd Todd has like crazy hair and, you know, so there's, there's different ways of doing it and it it doesn't have to be perfect. Your kids aren't going to notice the difference anyway. And if you're talking badly about your own work, imagine what that's putting in their mindset about their work. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's so important. Like we were saying earlier, the language that we use and, and how we talk about art and even our own work, even if we don't think it's great, our kids think it's, wonderful you know they don't they don't know the difference most of the time
0: (laughs) right so what was the session that you and caitlin presented at teach your heart out
1: caitlin and i did a session on incorporating art into the classroom so that was kind of perfect for me because that's what i do every day um and just finding ways of using art and art techniques to teach any subject area because you can use art to teach math to teach social studies you know pretty much any subject science there's there's different projects that you can do um, that incorporate art so for your visual learners you're really engaging them and and giving them a different experience other than just you know reading about it or writing about it you're you're allowing them to use their hands to make something and so uh, that's what we presented on and and I think that the the people who attended our session really uh enjoyed having that time to kind of relax and and just make art just for the sake of making art it doesn't always have to be you know the best thing that you've ever made but sometimes it's just nice to sit and and create something get your mind off of the million other things that you're having to worry about throughout the day
0: right and I've really enjoyed it. I've done a couple of times where you go to like the the painting class where you get to drink wine and I had oh like yeah so much fun because you know, it was sort of like you saying with your, you know, having people at your anchor chart session draw a hamburger. Like I I painted a picture. I mean, it wasn't like the greatest picture ever, but I did the step by step and it the picture actually looked like what it should have. Yeah. And it's Yeah, I actually
1: um teach those classes. The like cams and cocktails painting and and uh Ooh. drinking wine. So. Oh, <laughs> I wish I was in
0: New Jersey. I would totally yeah. go with to your classes, but
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's so fun. And I think that that has been such a big wake-up call for me because that is where I've heard the adults say, I've had a bad experience in art. I can't draw. And when they leave the class, they're like, oh, my God, I can. Like, I didn't I didn't realize I could. I, I always had this negative thought in my head that I couldn't make art, but I can apparently. And so it's always nice to feel like you're encouraging other people and, you know,
0: right. they know
1: that they can do it.
0: <laughs> and, and like you said, they're – in as busy a world as we live in, to be able to take time to, like, turn everything off and just kind of do something that is, I guess, natural is the word I would think of, but, you know, just something mm-hmm. that, that takes you out of it, I think that's super important. So, um, yeah. so if people want to learn more about your, whether it's your clipboards, your anchor charts, uh, I think you said your Instagram handle, but say it one more time just to make sure I, I, everybody's got it.
1: Yeah, sure. So um, my Instagram is at hipsterartteacher. And that's pretty much where you can find all the information. I have obviously my Etsy shop, but my most updated account place to find information would definitely be my Instagram. That's where you can find out about my anchor chart classes and my clipboards and all that good stuff.
0: Yeah, I think I I saw in your story, maybe it was earlier this week that you were like apologizing to all the people that ordered clipboards and you were working on it, but you just had more than you could handle. And like you said, that's a, that's a good problem to have when you're running a small little, I guess it's, it's, it's not, you can't even really call it a <laughs> side, you can't even really call it a side hustle anymore. It's like, a
1: No, it's old. kind of, I mean, all summer, that's what I was doing. I was making clipboards. So, um, hey. it's become like such a big, big thing, but I'm, I, like I said, I'm so grateful and thankful and it's connected me to so many other teachers and so many other people. And just to know that they have a clipboard in their classroom that brings a smile to their day or reminds them of something that they enjoy really makes my whole world so yeah
0: and i'm and i'm thinking too because i i know i have two sisters who i know don't listen to the podcast which is okay fine. that is fine but i i'm thinking that might be a, a special little christmas present for them because yeah. they're uh they're both very organized they're very clipboard uh savvy so i i might have to yeah uh, but but if i'm gonna do it i'm gonna have to like get it to i'm gonna have to order it like next week (laughs) to make sure i can get it by christmas
1: yeah definitely i know i get a lot of uh boyfriends and husbands and fiancés like reaching out to me they're like please i need one for
0: christmas yeah my so yeah my my girlfriend is like a super planner like okay he plans everything and like I don't want to say she gets twitchy when plans don't go the right way, but she's very like very, very plan oriented. And I'm the opposite. I'm so the opposite of a planner. Like I just fly by the seat of my pants. And now it's yeah. kind of fun because I, I don't try to push it too far cause I really don't want to make her mad, but I like right. will intentionally kind of screw plans up just a little bit just to see if she notices. it, which is, <laughs> which I'm having, I'm having fun with it. So, yeah. and I don't think she listens to the podcast either, but, um, i'll probably be hopefully not this one yeah hey don't listen to this one i didn't i didn't talk about you but um yeah yeah. so just a couple questions to to wrap up with um and you know get you out to enjoy this saturday which i can't believe it's already it's like almost the middle of september and i can't believe it's already almost the middle of september i i feel like i was just out in las vegas with everybody and now it's september i
1: know it's so crazy. Time has gone crazy. so fast. Crazy. All
0: right. So what is one thing you think all students should be taught?
1: Oh, this is such a good question. So I think all students need to be taught that, number one, they are capable and that who they are as an individual is important. I think that's the most important thing. Um Going back to the first part that I said, we are, you know, that they're capable. Like I've told you, my experience as an art teacher has been that somebody discouraged them along the way. And then that has impacted them in their mindset for their whole life. So, you know, I, as an art teacher, want to really motivate my students, encourage my students, inspire my students, and empower them so that they feel like they can. Take on anything, whether it's art or anything else, and then of course, you know, as we talked about earlier, it's important that they know that who they are as an individual is is perfect the way they are. They don't have to be somebody else, and you know, whatever they like, there's a way to you know have a job and and have a living from what you like. So no matter what it is, um, you know, I'm not currently teaching art, but I have found a way to incorporate art into my life still. So I think it's important for for people to know that you can do what you want to do. You just have to find a way to make it happen.
0: It's so it, – and it's so crazy to me to think how different, like I said, the world was. I mean, tenor, you know, I graduated high school 15 years ago and like none of these things existed. Like you couldn't right. just there, – there wasn't a vehicle to be able to just do, you know, to put a clipboard out on the internet and have people right. like it and all of a sudden build or, you know, like I, I heard somebody joking on, I don't remember who it was, but they were like, imagine how many people would could be famous if they wouldn't have listened to their parents when they told them not to play video games. And now there are people yeah. who are making like millions of dollars just playing video games. It's crazy the, yeah. way, the way the world has changed. And it's, um, you know, Wilkie has talked to me a bunch about, you know, you talk about kids having a bad experience with art but he always talks about he's worried that you know when these kids whether it's a bad experience in art I mean because if they have a bad art experience it can it can it can cloud their entire school experience exactly and, and yeah. then they can have like a, a really negative view towards school and teachers and then gosh those kids become parents and then those kids it, it's just such a negative mm-hmm. cycle and yeah but i like yeah said, I'm all about
1: breaking the cycle and yeah, and yeah. making it a better experience and just encouraging. I feel like you know there's so much negativity in the world, these kids need some positivity, and i mean right. i I'm even guilty of it myself, being negative mm-hmm. about myself and I'm not getting yeah. these clipboards out fast enough or whatever, and right. you just gotta right. you gotta be positive right. so
0: absolutely absolutely so um,
1: I was just going to say really quick what you were saying earlier it reminded me of somebody who I watch on YouTube and uh spoiler alert if you don't like bad language then you probably shouldn't watch him but um Gary Vaynerchuk talks a lot yeah. about what you were saying uh-huh. earlier and he's somebody who uh-huh. I found a lot of inspiration from
0: Yeah that I, and I think that must that that must have been who I was watching talking about the internet I mean cuz he you know we learned yeah. from him he was the one that was like all you got to do is DM people on Instagram, and and right. you can run a business through there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy. So, if you were gonna, I guess I'll I'll open this up to either you know a teacher teaching technology or STEAM or makerspace or an art teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, if any of those teachers were struggling, and and maybe I'll kind of ask it from a different. So you said that you had a lot, you know, a few, um, few long term sub positions as you got started, yeah. Right? So yes. say, say someone's in that, in that boat where they're struggling to find, you know, a permanent job or, or whatever it is, what advice would you give them?
1: Oh man. So I've definitely been there and I, 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 I feel you. Um, if you are in that place right now where you're long-term subbing and you're struggling to find a job, you just have to keep going and be persistent and just, put yourself out there. I subbed in probably four different local school districts because I just wanted to get in as many doors as possible. And I wanted to make as many connections as possible and impact as many students as possible. So, you know, it's sometimes you have your heart set on a certain school and it's hard to like move away from that. For me, I feel like if you really want to be a teacher, you'll be a teacher anywhere. And if you really want to teach kids, it doesn't matter what you're teaching, you'll you'll find a way to make that work. So, you know, even though my dream job is to be teaching art, and that's ultimately where I want to end up, what I'm doing right now, I'm finding a way to use art to teach and impact my students still. And it's in a different way, but it doesn't mean it's bad. It's still a right. good experience. And I still love what I do. And I still love my right. kids. So you just have to be open and willing to maybe try an experience that maybe you didn't think you would like, like if you teach elementary and then you end up in high school, you know, it's good to have lots of different experiences. So just be open and, and just keep, keep at it. Don't give up. I see a lot of people just kind of say, oh, well, I guess it's not in the cards for me, but you know, so many teachers have to fight and fight for years before, you know, they find that position that's right for them.
0: Right. Right. Awesome. Well, you know, Charles, I'm super, super glad we could have this conversation. And, and again, so so Instagram is the place where people can find you most often. Right? Yes. Yes. Awesome. Well, we will make sure to link that up. And our final question for you today is, um, you know, when your career is done or your life is done or whatever is done, um, what do you want your legacy to be?
1: So I would like for my legacy to just be that I was the teacher who really empowered my students and made them feel, again, capable and like they were able to make art and that they were able to create. I I really just want to have that impact on students because, again, I've just seen so many negative experiences that I want to be that positive experience. I want to break the cycle. I want students to, to have a positive outlook and mindset about art, and hopefully that will be my legacy.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, Chelsea, thank you so much for For taking some time on a Saturday to have a conversation and coming on our podcast.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.